Okay, we'll try and um, we'll try and make this as interesting as possible. Real privilege of being asked to bring God's word to you again this morning. So we're, we're as Jill said earlier, we're part of one church in multiple locations. So here in Wimborne, and again in, also in Fordingbridge, where they're getting the same stuff. Well, probably different to this, but. Tune in, tune in later and, and see which one you prefer the best and let me know. And we're working our way through Hebrews. We're halfway through. Um, and we're going into message seven, which I've called Out With The Old, In With The New. So hands on, or hands up. Who likes change? One of you, right. <laughs> Excellent, okay. There's always one. <laughs> I've got used to changes over the years. Um, I guess as you get a bit older, it happens like that. But, but it can be difficult, can't it? Um, I'll take you back to my days with working for a bank, the NHBC, and they asked me if I wanted to take voluntary severance make myself redundant. After 17 years working there, I was in a bit of a shock at the time. I worked my way up to management then, and um, the bank was regarded as a job for life. Whoops. <laughs> but at that time, I could, I could see the writing on the wall and thought long and hard about it. We'd, we'd just moved a year earlier, um, increased the mortgage, had two young children. Jill was at home looking after them. Um, I wasn't a Christian at the time. Jill was going to Winchester Family Church, and unbeknown to me, they were, they were praying for me and the family. And when HSBC decided that they were going to merge the Portsmouth and the Southampton areas together, um, I knew that I was going to be surplus to requirements, so I agreed to go. It was a really strange Christmas that year, sort of looking for jobs and trying to enjoy Christmas as well. But um, I don't know if I've told you before, but I'm quite a keen railway enthusiast. Have I told you that? <laughs> um, anyway, one of my very clever career counsellors suggested that I look for a job working for British Rail, as it was called in, called in those days. Um, what would they want with a redundant bank manager? Well, the answer was, one of the freight companies were looking for an internal auditor, and, and they wanted me. And that began a 21-year career working for the railways. Loads of ups and downs, out with the old, in with the new. Um, as well as British Railways wanted me to work for them, God wanted me as well. And he'd seen my CV and thought, yes, I want him. And, he get, and I gave my life to the Lord that year as well. Now, what's all this got to do with Hebrews? Over the past few weeks, we've been hearing about why the book of Hebrews is in the Bible. Now, let's face it, too much religion is a bad thing. We can't get enough God of God. We can't get too much faith and obedience and we can't get too much love and worship. But religion 
can easily get in the way of what God wants to do with us. That's why the book of Hebrews was written. So far, in the first six messages we've had, we've heard about Jesus and the angels. We've heard about Jesus and Moses. And today it's Jesus and the priesthood. Now, not only that, but I don't know if you noticed, it doesn't just get mentioned once. It's like, it's like Gordon and his, his hammer and bunch of nails. And they're banged in again and again so that we've heard it loud and clearly. A couple of weeks ago, Dale spoke about Jesus, the great, greater high priest. And today I'm having another crack at that. Now in the passage that I was asked to look at, the word priest, Jim and Diane, the word, <laughs> the word priest was mentioned 22 times. Bang, 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 bang. Guess God really wants us to grasp it. So if you've got your Bibles there, we'll read from Hebrews 7 and we'll start from verse 1. So Hebrews 7, verse 1. Um, I'm reading from the ESV. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the God, priest of the Most High God, met Abraham, returning from the slaughter of the kings, and blessed him. And to him, Abraham apportioned a tenth part of everything. He is the first by translate, translation of his name king of righteousness and then he is also king of Salem that is king of peace he is without father or mother or genealogy having neither beginning of days nor end of life but resembling the son of God he continues a priest forever see how great this man was to whom Abraham the patriarch gave a tenth of the spoils and those descendants of Levi who receive the priestly office have a commandment in the law to take tithes from the people, that is, from their brothers, though these are also descendants of Abraham. But this man who does not have a descendant from them receives tithes from Abraham and blessed him who had the promises. It is beyond dispute that the inferior is blessed by the superior. In the one cases, in the one case, tithes are received by mortal men, but in the other case, by one to whom it is testified that he lives. One might even say that Levi himself, who receives tithes, paid tithes through Abraham, for he was still in the loins of his ancestor when Melchizedek met him. So who is this Melchizedek and why is he so important? The order of Melchizedek's priesthood was unique. Uh, verse 3 tells us that he didn't get the job by inheriting it. If we were to wade through the book of Genesis, all of the other spiritual leaders mentioned include a family tree. 
but not in Melchizedek. So although he's without father and mother, it doesn't mean he hasn't got parents altogether. Continuing on the Genesis theme. Chapter 14 of Genesis gives us an account of Abraham bailing out his brother, his brother, his nephew Lot. So Abraham's nephew Lot was in a bit of trouble. You may be aware from earlier in the, in the book that Lot had separated from Abraham and had settled in Sodom. Lot was taken captive by an alliance of four kings who invaded the Jordan Valley and had defeated a local coalition of five kings. So we've got nine kings there all having a bit of a bundle. Once Abraham heard about Lot's abduction, he got his team of 318 men together and pursued the invaders, successfully recovering Lot and a large quantity of plunder. So we pick up the story again in Genesis 14 and verse 18, and it reads, And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of the, the God Most High. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abraham by God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High, who delivered your enemies into your hand. And Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. So Abraham had put himself in a lot of danger and hardship to rescue Lot. And now he returns, tired, troubled, but God has a way of encouraging him. And I've drawn out four points which I've called PEST. <laughs> the PEST standing for P is for priest, E is for emblems, S for supplications, and T for tithes. I'll go into that in a bit more detail. So the P, the unique high priest of God. We heard earlier that Mezi Mez Come on. Melchizedek was king in Jerusalem because the word Salem later became Jerusalem. Evidently, the knowledge of the true God was present here. Perhaps the truth of God had been passed down from the days of Noah. This king had been appointed to represent him and Abraham regarding him as a superior, as a spiritual superior. So Abraham, he really rated this guy. As we've heard earlier, the order of Melchizedek's priesthood was unique. He didn't inherit it. Salem means peace. His own name, Melchizedek, means king of righteousness. So he was king of peace in that he ruled in a city known for peace and that he was king of righteousness in his own person. He combined righteousness and peace in his people and in his own person. So now we can see why Hebrews in the New Testament said that Jesus is the great high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Now, like Melchizedek, Jesus was not a high priest 
by inheritance, but a unique high priest without precedent or successor. Abraham found encouragement in meeting with Melchizedek. After some heavy conflict and returning from the battle, Melchizedek comes out to meet him. And this is a perfect picture, I think, of how Jesus comes out to our aid and rescues us when we need him. After when periods when we've been beaten up and tested or have had a bad day at the office, Jesus himself has a habit of coming out and visits us. He brings us encouragements. He talks to us about things of God. Jesus is our sympathetic high priest in a unique order. There's no one like him. So going on to the emblems, Melchizedek, was no, Melchizedek knew that Abraham had been in a battle to rescue his wayward nephew. And he knows that Abraham will be tired and hungry. So he comes out to meet him and he brings out the bread to build up his strength with probably a diluted glass of red wine. I think it's sort of a red wine spritzer to refresh him and give him energy again. When Jesus comes to meet us, he brings the bread. He himself is the bread of life and we feed on him and we eat him. John 6:51 tells us, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread I will give for the life of the word, world is my flesh. And Jesus is also wine to us. He refreshes us. He comes to us full of goodness and sweetness, full of promises. We're refreshed when we take on board his gifts. John 6, 54 to 56, also tells us, whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true, true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. And on to our S, which is supplications or, to me, new prayers. Melchizedek prayed for Abraham. Blessed be, and that means I am praying for you to be blessed by God. God has promised Abraham that he would bless him, but now the blessing comes through the unique high priest from a unique city called Peace. Like Melchizedek, Jesus ever lives to intercede for us. He presents his requests to the Father. He prays without ceasing. He never has to sleep as the priests of the tribe of Aaron did. He never retires as the Levitical priests had to retire. He never dies. He never makes a mistake. He lives with perfect peace. Perfect Sorry, he lives with perfect faith and with perfect sympathy. 
But we don't just leave it all to Jesus to do. We have to pray to him. Colossians 4.2 gives us further instructions. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgivings. And the T, the last number, four T tides. Abraham had been wrestling with anxieties about possessions ever since he surrendered the best choice of the land to Lot. And a bit further down in Genesis, whoops, Genesis 14, 21 to 24, we're told that there's a further complication and Abraham will turn down his source of income from the king of Sodom as it was such a wicked place. So just as we might at the moment be currently anxious with energy bills and the rate of inflation, Abraham had his financial issues of his day. Despite that, he still gave Melchizedek a tenth. Why? This was 500 years before the Mosaic Law started, so he didn't have to, but clearly he wanted to. Clearly, Abraham was being led by the Spirit. And when this happens, we find ourselves doing all sorts of laws that don't even exist. But we want to do it because we're in the Spirit. Just before moving on, Melchizedek also gets a mention in Psalm 110. And verse 4, which says, The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. This is, this is found within one of the several Psalms confirming the validity of the promises to David. This is a royal Psalm. David is to be after his order, probably meaning that he's gonna be both a king and a priest ruling in Jerusalem. So since the Old Testament details this. There's no mention of any other kings of David's in this line. So this psalm is thought to be about the final king, which is Jesus, the Messiah. Just by the way on that. So, so far we've, we've heard about Melchizedek and have labelled him as a kind of Jesus. And in the middle of the marmalade sandwich, I called it marmalade because when I started for British Rail, I worked in Paddington. Um, so <laughs> we've got a bread on the outside, Melchizedek and Jesus, and a little soft bit in the middle, the Levi priests. Coming about 500 years after Melchizedek came the Mosaic Law which included another type of priesthood. So why change it? Why change it now, 500 years later? When I was chatting to Tim a couple of weeks ago when he was here, I asked him about this and he, he steered me to Galatians. And so in, Gal in Galatians, there's a whole chapter on it, chapter three of Galatians. Um, I've highlighted just one verse, chapter three, verse 19, which states, why then the law? It was added because of transgressions or sins until the, offspring, until the offspring should come to whom the promise has been made. 
and it was put in place through angels by an intermediary. Now, an intermediary implies more than one, but God is one. So, the Levi priests were actually set up, and there's four points again for the Levi priests, which I've labeled aid. The A is to announce and enforce God's law. Uh, the I is to intercede or mediate with God on behalf of the people through prayers and sacrifices. The D is discern or recognize the will of God. And the E is to encourage the people to worship the Lord. So that's what the Levi priests' objectives were. The law and those priests could never, could never make perfect people or create a perfect community or indeed be perfect themselves but their roles gave us a heads up about a priest king who would be perfect in every way the perfect salvation pioneer the one that I spoke about a few weeks ago in Hebrews 2 are we alright so far? Yeah. we're getting there Jesus didn't come from a tribe of Levi, but he was the Lion of Judah. And he perfectly fulfills any priestly function. He taught us what pleases God and later sent his Holy Spirit so that the apostles could write it all down in what we now read as the New Testament. Following on from my, one of my many earlier analogies, this is the hammer and nails one, Gordon. Jesus was nailed to the cross, died, rose again, and sent his Holy Spirit. So as a priest, he's really nailed it. Let's pick up again on the Hebrews passage, and we'll see in the headline in the ESV that Jesus is compared to Melchizedek. The New King James Version, it's actually called Need for a New Priesthood. Hence my title, Out with the Old, In with the New. Back into the ESV, and here we go again. This is from verse 11, so Hebrews 7, verse 11. Now, if perfection had been attained through the, leaf, through the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law... What further need would there be, would there have been for another priest to arise after the order of Melchizedek rather than one named after the order of Aaron? For when there is a change in priesthood, there is necessarily a change in the law as well. For the one to whom these things are spoken belongs to another tribe to which no one has ever served at the altar. For it is evident that our Lord was descended from Judah. And in connection with that tribe, Moses said nothing about priests. This becomes even more evident when another priest arrives in the likeness of Melchizedek, who has become a priest, not on the basis of a legal requirement concerning bodily descent, but by the power of an indestructible life. 
for it is witnessed of him. You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Well, we've already had a good look at comparing Jesus and Melchizedek and we'll now compare Jesus and the Levi priests. No contest really, is it? In in verse 11, we read that if perfection has been attained. Well, as soon as you see the word word if, you know that it means it isn't perfection. And hence why God gave us Jesus to change the priesthood and signify out with the old, in with the new. After all, we've just read in in, um, verse 16, Jesus is indestructible. And there are a few more factors a bit later in the chapter which I'll just pick out. Starting with verse 23, the former priests were many in number. So there were many of them. Because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. But he, Jesus, holds this priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Consequently, he's able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to, the God, near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. So there's been loads and loads of priests and all very temporary, whereas Jesus is the one and the only permanent one. And then what do we mean in verse 25 by uttermost? Well, I had a look in the dictionary for that and it says greatest or extreme extent or amount. Which, yeah. On to verse 26. For it was indeed fitting that we should have a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners and exalted above the heavens. He has no need for those high priests to offer sacrifices daily, first for his own sins and then for those of his people, since he did it once and for all when he offered up himself. For the law appoints men in their weakness as high priests, but the word of the oath, which came later than the law, appoints the son who has been made perfect forever. The Levitical high priests were sinners and they had to offer offer sacrifices for their own sins. They did so with offering up of animals. Jesus is holy and innocent, offering sacrifices only for others. He was sacrificed on Calvary once and for all, and offered up himself. I've avoided going on to chapter 8, verses 1 to 5, because it's regarding Jesus, high priest of a better covenant. And I think the next message we're going to get on Hebrews, which won't be next week because it's all of us together, and it won't be the week after because it's Thanksgiving, but the week after that, we'll hear more about Jesus, high priest of a better covenant. 
So, not all changes are for the best. Sometimes when we get a new boss, he just wants to make changes just for the sake of it. Uh, maybe the Hebrews were feeling a bit like that about Jesus and the new covenant. But like my big career adjustment, the Hebrews were about to lose something that they were very familiar with, but gain something far superior in the long run. How good is it that our eternal future is not governed by how well we've kept to God's law? If it was me, I'd be stuffed. I guess, I guess you guys would be the same. No, our eternal future is guaranteed by Jesus who never sleeps, never goes on duty, never goes on holiday, never goes to the toilet, never forgets to switch his mobile on, never dies and never forgets about us. I thought after what we'd, what we'd read regarding Melchizedek and, um, and Abraham about the bread and wine, I thought it would be appropriate that we took communion this morning. And um, I'm just going to ask Dale to come and uh, lead us in that, if you wouldn't mind, mate. Okay, take that. Should we stand together? So just in response to that word, I think we're going to do two things as we take communion. I'd like us to consider what it means when Jesus says, those who eat my flesh and those who drink my blood. I, I, do you know what? That, I think that's, that's, that's graphic imagery, but it's important because it's about nourishment. It's about where do you get your... Where do you get the goodness that helps you carry on? Where do you, what do you feast on? What gives you your energy? What gives you your... Where do you get everything, all the things that you need for your daily lives? So I'm going to say when we take communion together now, let me ask you to consider that aspect. Let's, let's consider that meal as enjoying everything that Jesus has purchased for us through his broken body and his spilled blood. The second thing, I'm just going to read what Jesus says about the Lord's Supper. I'll find my place. (laughs) As they were eating, Jesus took some bread and blessed it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples saying, take this and eat it for this is my body. And he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. And he gave it to them and said, Each of you drink from it, for this is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. And we're familiar with that bit often. That's good, we should be. That's another thing I want us to do this morning. Let's give thanks for Jesus' spilled blood that was poured out for the forgiveness of our sins. But then he goes on to say something else. He says, mark my words. I will not drink wine again until the day I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And I want to say that even as we've heard this morning about how Melchizedek came out to take bread and wine with Abraham and he pointed forward to that time when Jesus would come as a great big signpost by taking bread and wine together. And even as Jesus 
broke bread with his disciples as a pointer towards his sacrifice that was just around the corner. There's an element where we take communion together and we look forward to that time when Jesus comes again and we get to drink wine with, our heaven, uh, with King Jesus and our Heavenly Father as one people. So let's, let's do those things. Let's take communion as the high point of our worship today and let's love one another and honour God as we thank him for everything he's given us, all our daily needs, all our sustenance, all our spiritual food and drink. Let's thank him for the forgiveness of our sins, what he purchased for us with his blood. And let us look forward to that day when we get to share that meal with him afresh in his glorious kingdom. Amen. I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for your word, firstly. Thank you for this wonderful meal that we are about to take together that says so much, reminds us of so much, does so much for us. I pray, Lord God, bless my brothers and sisters as we consider you, we consider your sacrifice, as we consider how much good it does us and how much good you have done us. And I pray, Lord, stir our hearts with hope and joy as we consider that time when we get to share that meal with you in heaven. Amen.